What it is, everyone. I'm Jacob Meza, the host of the podcast, So It Is Told. Each week, I read a new folk tale or fairy tale with a local comedian and or world traveler. Like your drunk grandma reading a bedtime story, their suspense. Oh my god, they are cannibals! Magic. <laughs> and all-around madness. They're birthing hips! <laughs> Available on any mainstream podcast directory. F- 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 fresh. <laughs> Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 47 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I'm grateful that you chose to give me some of your valuable time today. This episode is dropping on May 14th, the day after Mother's Day, so we're looking at phrases that feature moms today. Keep an eye out on Twitter this week for more info on the upcoming three-part anniversary bonanza. Y'all, it's going to be so much fun. Also, if you want some extra stuff, check out the Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes. Alright then, let's labor through the delivery of today's phrases, origins, history, and more. The first phrase for today is, don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back. This superstitious little ditty has been around since at least the early 20th century, and it's far from the only superstition associated with stepping on cracks. To name a couple more, some folks think that cracks lead straight to hell, and stepping on them releases demons and brings bad luck to the person who did the stepping. Others think it means you'll break your china, and the number of cracks you step on is the number of dishes you'll break. Honestly, though, breaking China seems a lot less intense than releasing demons, so I'm not really certain how two beliefs that are so vastly different came to be. I guess I'll have to do a crack episode to find out. If I do, I'll have to call it something other than the crack episode. Okay, let's get back to Mother's Back. This is a phrase that fits into the first use in print is the origin category. Well, possibly. While some sources indicate the phrase is older than 1905, it doesn't show up in writing until then, so there is some dispute as to when it really began being used. However, even the sources that say it's older only contend that it goes back to the late 19th century, so the age doesn't change much either way. So let's look at that first believed use in print, which, as I mentioned, came about in 1905. It was in a work called Lonely O'Malley, A Story of Boy Life, which was written by Arthur Stringer, a Canadian novelist, screenwriter, and poet. He wrote, quote, Recovering herself, she continued into her journey erratically down the sidewalk, her otherwise strange hesitations and gyrations being due to a supreme effort to avoid each and every crevice, for she artlessly sang to herself as she went, Step on a crack, break your mother's back. End quote. Before moving on, I wanted to tell you something I found amusing. By the middle of the 20th century, folks were commonly telling children that stepping on cracks would cause them to be eaten by bears. I don't know why this made me laugh so much when I first read about it, but I just got this mental image of a kid accidentally stepping on a crack in the middle of a city sidewalk and just flipping out about the impending bear attack. And with that, let's move on to today's next phrase. 
Mum's the word means to keep a secret or just simply to be quiet. So why are mothers so secretive? Well, basically, because of Shakespeare. Okay, he didn't create this one, but he did help to make it more widely used. So we'll come back to him in a little bit. We have to go a little further back into old-timey times than our buddy Billy's plays to find the true beginning of this one. Around 1376, a mysterious man named William Langland wrote a poem titled Piers Plowman. I say mysterious because there's not a lot of information out there about him. The consensus seems to be that he was born in England in 1330 and died in either 1385 or 1386, although some sources indicate he may not have died until 1400. Other than that, pretty much everything that people say about him is based on his poem as many people think it's an allegory for his own life. Because of this, people speculate that he was from the West Midlands in England, and that he was involved in the clergy somehow. But that's about all there is out there on this guy. Anyway, what did his poem say about being quiet? Well, it said, quote, Thou mightiest better meetin' the mist on Malvern holes than gettin' a mom of air mouth till money were shooed. End quote. Even though I butchered that ye old English, the rough meaning of this quote is basically that it's easier to measure the mist on the Malvern Hills than it would be to try and get the woman he's referring to to speak without first offering her payment. Now, I mentioned that Shakespeare helped make this one more popular, and he did that in Henry VI, which was published in 1592. He wrote, quote, Hume must make merry with the Duchess's gold. Merry and shall. But how now, Sir John Hume, seal up your lips and give no words but mum. The business asketh silent secrecy. End quote. So we know the approximate when, but what is the why? Well, using mum as a way to stay quiet is believed to come from the word mummer, which was used in old-timey times to describe a person who was pantomiming. It could also come from the old German word stum, spelled S-T-U-M-M, which means silent or mute. It's most likely that the true etymology is a combination of these two words, and possibly even other similar words from other languages. Now let's move on and invent something. Okay, so we aren't actually going to invent anything, but we are going to look at why necessity is the mother of invention. First off, what does this proverb mean? It's pretty straightforward. Difficult or tricky situations need to be solved, and thus often lead to new ways to do things. And it makes perfect sense. Mothers give birth to things, so comparing the imagery of producing something new, i.e. a baby, to producing a solution to a problem is how this proverb was born. As with many proverbs, the exact origin of this one is hard to pin down. But many people attribute it to Plato. Well, technically they attribute it to English translations of his work The Republic, and so it's unsure if Plato said it first, or if it just came about as more of a lost-in-translation sort of thing. It was definitely in use by the 16th century, because we find it in a book of aphorisms titled Vulgaria, written by a man named William Holman. What's with all the Williams today? <laughs> anyway, this particular William was a school headmaster in England, and he included the Latin version of this proverb in his book. 
It was written in 1519 and read, quote, Mater artium necessitas, end quote. Several variations of this proverb pop up all throughout history from that point to now, but the first time it was believed to be used the way we use it was in 1658. An English author named Richard Frank wrote a book called Northern Memoirs, calculated for the meridian of Scotland. In that, he wrote, quote, Art imitates nature, and necessity is the mother of invention. End quote. That's all I got for this one, so now, let's head outside. Mother Nature, the personification of the great outdoors. This one is similar to the last in the sense that it came about due to the imagery of mothers giving birth. Nature is a cycle, life renews constantly, and as plants and animals continue to be reborn every year, it's not hard to see it all in a motherly way. But is that all there is to it? No. Was there an actual Mother Nature? Yes. However, she went by the name Mother Earth, or Gaia. She was a Greek goddess, and was actually the first of the Greek gods. It's said that she created herself out of chaotic nothingness, and that all life came from her. And since life requires balance, all living things have to return to her when their life ends. So Gaia represented the beginning and end of life, and all the nurturing in between. There have been many other figures throughout history that have had similar representations and meanings. And since the idea behind it is so old, there's not really a first known use in writing. But now that we know that Mother Nature can be found all throughout history and isn't just a metaphor for the outdoors, let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Today's metaphor is the mother load. This metaphor means an abundance of something. Before we get into the why, let's take a moment to go over the correct spelling. Load is spelled L-O-D-E, not L-O-A-D. And while the compounded version of mother load is acceptable, it is technically two words. The etymology will help us understand why. This spelling of load is defined as a vein of mineral ore. And in this saying, we use the definition of mother that means to give abundantly. So a mother load is literally a vein of mineral ore that gives abundantly. And what's likely not surprising based on the etymology is that this saying came from deep within mines. It was being used by at least the mid-16th century, although it was in another language at that time. The Spanish saying Veta Madre was commonly used by Mexican miners. It became popular in America when gold was discovered in them their hills. Folks flocked to California to dig up their own riches, each hoping to find a mother load to lay claim to. I couldn't find a first metaphorical use in writing for this one either, but that's not too surprising since it was around in a literal sense for a long time before it became used more metaphorically. So let's go on to the book to dig up today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here open to a section of works by Henry Fielding. This is from a book he wrote called The History of Tom Jones. And it says, Wisdom, 
whose lessons have been represented as so hard to learn by those who never were at her school, only teaches us to extend a simple maxim universally known. And this is not to buy at too dear a price. I like that one because it's not worth it if it costs you too much. And I don't think he just means money. Thank you, Mr. Fielding, for today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 47. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. You can connect with me and fellow language lovers on Twitter and Facebook. Just look up Turn of Phrases on either site or go to turnofphrases.com for links and more information. If you want to send me a message or topic suggestions, you can email me which is brisky at turnofphrases.com, or use my website's contact form. My website also has details about all the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. If you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, watch out for those cracks. Toodaloo. And now... This is... Let me rephrase. Around 1376, a mysterious man named William Le... That's not... That's... Okay. Other than that, most everything that people say about him... I lost my place... Well, it said, quote, oh, it did not, that is not the quote. That was a burp. The business, I just totally skipped that S. I.e. a baby, goodness gracious. Mater Arterium, nope, I don't think that's right. Necessitas. That's not Latin. I mean, I can't speak Latin, but that definitely wasn't Latin. I'm just gonna just gonna leave it how I've got it. We're just gonna go with that. Several variations of this proverb pop up all over Nope, that's not what I wrote. I just said Arthur. That word I tell y'all what. Arthur and Arthur just they get me sometimes. <laughs> I don't know why. Let's try this again. Is that Jaya, we're going to go with Gaia and just, just run with it. At least not in the sort of just... Mm. This spelling of load refers to the vine... Nope. This spelling of load refers to a vine of... Mi- nope, nope, nope. I couldn't find a first metaphorical use in print for... Mm, nope. This is from a work... Nope, nope, nope.